Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Father, we thank you and praise you for your goodness, your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you for uh, just using us. You could use anybody. And you give us the privilege, not because we're the brightest bulb on the porch, but because we're your kids. And we willingly surrender and ask to be used. You will never turn away a vessel that wants to be used. And we thank you, Lord, for that. And so, Lord, I even pray for the gift of teaching this morning, that as we look back at a story of a family that Jesus spent a lot of time with, we can learn from that family, and we can give you the praise for your faithfulness over the last 20 years. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, we normally open our Bibles, but I got so much stuff. There's going to be a lot of slides. Take pictures, write them down. You see, there's no doubt about God's faithfulness. And I could talk about the years of his faithfulness towards us as one part, one part of the universal body of believers. There's a lot of good, solid churches around here. He has been tremendously faithful over the last 20 years. It's hard to imagine 20 years. And when we think about that, we might have a tendency to start listing all the things that he has provided for us physically. But that's just one, and it's really a minor. It's just one aspect of his faithfulness. You see, if we were still meeting in the park, like we did on March 16th of 03, for four months until it got too hot, he remains faithful. If there was only a handful of us, he remains faithful. Psalm 40.10 says, I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness. And we were singing earlier about his faithfulness. And your salvation. The government is not going to save us, guys. A party is not going to save us. An agenda is not going to save us. The word of God is what saves us. And that's what we need to take to those who don't know Jesus as their Savior. We're an ambassador for Christ. Get out, register to vote. All of those things. If you're new, I endorse all of that. But don't make that your goal. Our goal is to be more like Jesus at the end of the day. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. You see, God's faithfulness was and is a given principle. Remember as we went through Corinthians and and as I have tried to do over the decades as a pastor, I'm called to train you up, to disciple you for the work of the ministry. Not to give you a fanciful story, a funny joke, a little 15-minute devotion, but to train you up for the work of the ministry. That is the main role of the pastorate at any Bible teaching. And so here, this is a principle. And here we see the psalmist proclaims his faithfulness to those gathered to worship. And that's what I'm going to do this morning. God's faithfulness and the faithfulness of the saints. Because it is both. Lamentations 3 says this. 
Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. And aren't you glad about that? They're new every hour. They're new every minute. And thank God they're new every second. We approach the throne of grace to find help in our time of need. Not a, not a, not a throne of judgment. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Psalm 36, 5 says, Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. The heavens. Remember we talked about this? First heaven is everything within our atmosphere. The second heaven is everything outside our atmosphere. Everything. And the third heaven is the new Jerusalem. Heaven itself. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. When you're having a bad day, just go outside. Now, I know we always don't have clouds, in, in, but search real hard. You might find one somewhere. 350 plus days of sunshine. In 1 Corinthians 1.9, it says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Notice God is faithful. He called us. He was seeking us. Many of us were maybe born and raised in a religion. And so we maybe thought, well, no, I found God. No, God found you. We love him because he first loved us. He is faithful no matter what. Next verse, Psalm 37, 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. That is what has got us through the last 20 years personally. You know, we've, we've been very, very blessed. Very blessed here as a fellowship. Very, very blessed. And I think it's because we just constantly look to his faithfulness. We constantly open the Bible. We constantly take people back to the Bible in our counseling and our discipling. It's the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. And that's what we have to continue to do. Next verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Sanctification, that set-apart process. We're set apart to God now. If you don't have peace in this world, it's probably because you're not focusing on God. And yes, there will be times where we will have those emotions and we'll go through that. I understand that. We've been there, done that. But do you come back to the center? might be a few moments. It might be a few days. But do you come back to the center? Because that's what it's all about. That's always what it's all about. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who called you is faithful, who, will, who also will do it. In other words, he'll keep us, guys. Even when we're not faithful, God's going to keep us because he's faithful. The next one. A song for the Sabbath day. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. Philippians. Be confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, faithfulness is not there, is it? But the idea is there. He will keep it. He'll finish it. We just have to continually surrender. Next slide. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. Lastly, 2 Thessalonians. 
But the Lord is faithful who will establish you, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Praise God. You know, we could go on and on about God's faithfulness, about God being faithful no matter what we do. And some people have a real hard time with that. But God is always faithful. God's faithfulness is not, is not based upon our performance. Religion will teach you that. God's faithfulness is based on your performance. That is not biblically true. But upon his word, which states in 2 Timothy, this is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Now that's not for the believer. God will never deny us. But as an unbeliever, if I don't want nothing to do with Jesus, if you're here this morning, you don't want nothing to do with Jesus, don't be surprised when you show up in heaven. He says, I don't know you. You don't want nothing with him now. Why would you want something to do with them then? Your eternity is going to be hell. God doesn't send anybody to hell. Hell was designed for the angels, fallen angels. So if you choose to neglect, to stiff-arm God, you give him no choice but to deny you. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. He's always faithful. So since God is faithful, and he has been so faithful with our fellowship over the decades... How can we keep pressing on and doing the things that he would have for us to do? You know, right here in Queen Creek. This is our Jerusalem right here. Well, I would like to look at a family that personally saw the faithfulness of God up close. I mean, really close. Faithfulness in a way that very few people have ever seen. And we find it in John chapter 12, 1 through 3. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Jesus is now heading to Jerusalem. The ministry basically is over. He's heading towards that last week of ministry before his death. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. So here we see a family, two sisters and a brother. A family that Jesus was accustomed to visiting with, a family that had a special place in our Lord's heart, so to speak. He enjoyed hanging out with this family. Can you imagine that, just hanging out with Jesus? Laughing, talking about the ministry. Who did you heal today, Jesus? And the disciples, you know, they went out and healed as well. They had oil. Can you imagine just sitting around talking with these 12 guys? Hey, what has God done with you guys today lately? What has God done lately? The stories, the stories. He's about to offer himself up for the sins of the world. We see this wonderful setting. You see Martha served. But notice that we do not see her whining. We do not see Martha whining about her sister Mary. If you don't know what I'm talking about, check out an earlier story. You'll figure it out. Martha had learned a very important principle. Again, principle. And now we see her faithfully serving her Savior. You see, there was much to be done. But she has learned to do what she should do. To stay focused on her portion of the 
ministry. I believe she had the gift of hospitality. You see, she was willing to serve while her sister and brother were visiting with the Lord. That was her gift, and she was willing to do it. You see, Paul makes mention of a few servants in his epistles. In Colossians, he says, as you also learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. Could you imagine having your name? Now, now he didn't know this at the time, but his name, 2,000 years, his name was written in the word of God. What a privilege. Later on in a few chapters, Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister. Again, another name, faithful minister. Faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord will tell you all the news about me. You see, there are many other servants listed in the Bible. And and Claude and I have had the tremendous, tremendous blessing by so many faithful servants over the last two decades here here in the fellowship. To the paid staff, to those who clean the various buildings. You see, no one sees them. But various people have done it faithfully over the decades. Those who faithfully care and teach the children in the Sunday school, kids' life, and in the nursery. Those who faithfully serve our junior and senior high youth at church, as well as other functions during the week on and off the campus. Those who faithfully oversee and volunteer in the various ministries that take place on our campus. Those who faithfully open their homes to share the word of God. Those who faithfully minister to the various age groups musically, giving of their time and talents not only in front of us, but behind the scenes practicing, doing their due diligence. Those who faithfully done, who have faithfully done the administrative task over the years. Those who have faithfully served in the sound ministry, in the men's and women's ministry. Those who have faithfully greet and usher the flock, watching over and caring for them. Those who faithfully attend the prayer meetings. Those who have faithfully served in the bookstore. Those who faithfully set up and tear down throughout the year for various events. Those who have been faithful in the hospitality and security ministries. Those who have been faithful with the financial offerings. I mean, the list of faithful saints could go on and on. You see, Calvary is who we are today as a body of believers because of faithful servants. And by that continued example, we will pass that on to the next generation. You see, Martha was faithful while serving in humility. She learned her place in the kingdom of God. Because a lot of times when people go over that story, they bash her. Inappropriate. She had a lesson to learn and she learned it. And here she's well spoken of because she learned her lesson. Next we see Lazarus. This guy had previously died and was enjoying the rest in Abraham's bosom. Can you imagine that? But four days after his death, Jesus called him back to life. Now, what do we see him doing at this meal? Martha was serving and Lazarus was sitting and listening to Jesus. You see... We need to be able to sit and listen to our Lord teach us through his word. This is probably one of the hardest things to do and to build into one's life. A regular devotional time has got to be one of the hardest things 
to do in anyone's life. In reality, it's almost easier to serve than to sit still and listen. But I cannot stress the importance of listening to God's word. And as we read the word of God from Genesis to Revelation, the Holy Spirit will minister to us in ways that we never thought possible. You see, the Holy Spirit will guide and lead us into all truth. As you know, that's his number one job. If you want to know the will of God, be in God's word. If you want to know the word of God, be in prayer. If you want to know the will of God, maybe seek counsel. But a lot of times, you know, when you read the word on a regular basis, the will of God becomes totally clear. It's so obvious. Other times, yes, we need to seek counsel. Nothing wrong with that. Be wise. But are you at least in the word of God on a regular basis? Saints, we live in a very busy world. And the idea of sitting still and being undistracted has become a foreign concept to many. You see, we have cell phones that can check our emails, that can send a text, can pull up the internet and check out the prices of various items that we might like to buy. Then we can actually buy them and have them delivered right to our doorstep. We can instantly get the latest news, sports, entertainment. They can direct us to our next destination. They can track us or track someone else for us. They are an alarm clock, a calendar, a reminder of events. We can do our banking on them. We can take a picture of a check. I know most of you have never seen a check. But there are these little pieces of paper that we used to write everything, you know, what we were going to pay for on and then send it in that snail mail, that little slot. Now you just take a picture of it in your account. We can fill out applications on them. We can play games on them, listen to music, surf the internet, watch movies. And oh yeah, we can actually make a call. Most of this technology is taking place, if you really think about it, most of this technology is taking place within the last 20 years. Yes, we've had cell phones, but I'm talking about the latest technology has taken place, if not the last 10 years, within the last 20 years. We find ourselves individually busier than ever. You see, this convenient little gadget called a phone which was supposed to simplify our lives, has complicated our lives even more. Not going to ask a show of hands, but how many of you sleep with your cell phone? No show of hands. I won't look at anybody. We have our cell phone by our bed in case of emergencies. That's the only reason. We're not checking our emails at 2 o'clock in the morning. We're not tweeting. I don't have any social media. Not that I'm bashing it. I just don't have it. I don't need it. I don't want it. I got enough issues. You have to know what God's calling you to do. And if God is telling you to get off social media, you better get off it. Listen to God. Not your friends. Not your peers. Not your kids. Not your parents. Listen to God. And get off it. Very little value on there. Be quiet. Being still, it's become harder and harder to do. But here we see that Lazarus was willing to sit at the table. He was willing to sit still and to listen to the Lord. And again, it is something that we need to force ourselves to do. 
Do you hear what I just said? I'm not forcing you. It's up to you. When I counsel people, disciple people, I can't force anybody to do anything. I never want to do that. I don't know you. I don't know your life. It's up to you. But I'll give you wise counsel. If you're not having devotions, I recommend you force yourselves to get into that habit and start having devotions. You're going to benefit, and everyone else around you will benefit. So give everybody a break and start having your devotions. You see, as we become more faithful in our devotional time, we will start to see God's faithfulness over and over throughout the centuries. God is so faithful. And how we can look back in our own lives and we can even see his faithfulness within our own lives. Next member of the family, we see Mary. And Mary Mary does something that, again, many believers have a hard time comprehending. We read the story and we go, oh yeah, that's really, that's cool. You see, she took a very costly jar of ointment, which was valued at 300 denarii, we find from the other Gospels. And a denarius was one day's wage. And she anointed the Lord's feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Think of worship. She anoints his feet. Where's your hair? I don't have much, so I couldn't do what she did. But you guys know that in the 70s, it was long. You got to get really close to somebody's feet to wipe their feet with your hair. What was she doing? She was worshiping Jesus. You brought my brother back from the dead. I knew you were God. I knew you were the Messiah. She was worshiping. Another gospel tells us that she poured it on his head as well. You see, the act of worship was not a little thing here. This could have possibly been her dowry money which would have saved her life if her husband, future husband had died or divorced her. But here we see Mary worshiping our Lord and giving her best to him. Again, what a great example for us. And Jesus even said that what she did here would be spoken of throughout time. And here we are in Queen Creek, almost 2,000 years later, talking about who? Mary and what she did. The question Does my worship of God cost me something? Often when we hear the word worship, we think of music. But Mary is not pouring out of her heart a love song to Jesus. She is pouring out her savings, possibly all that she had. And that's intense worship for sure. But let's ask you a few questions. We're not focusing on money. Please, if you're new, do not get focused on money. That's not the issue. The point is... Is your worship costing you something? How do we express our worship towards our Lord? Does it cost us anything? Or is it just like, "Eh, you know, whatever. I'll sing a few songs. If your heart is there, it's not costing you anything. You see, when you worship the Lord in song and you really sing the songs and you really meditate on the songs, you're going to see that word surrender over and over and over again. And surrender costs you something. It costs me something. And that's why I think we don't like focusing on words like that or singing songs or appreciate the songs of theology that we sing because when we sing these songs of theology, it's going to cost us something. And I'm not talking about monetarily. Does it express our true love towards our Heavenly Father? Is it something that someone would possibly look at you and say, what a waste, You go to church on Sunday morning and sing a bunch of songs? What a waste. 
Because that's what some of the disciples were saying. What a waste. Why did you waste that oil on the master? We could have sold it and given the money to the poor. Judas, the traitor, who was stealing from the money bag. Don't worry about what the world's going to say about you. What a waste. It's not a waste. It's never a waste. You becoming more like Jesus is never a waste. You see, in their eyes, it was a waste. But in the eyes of your heavenly father, it is absolutely precious, guys. What you're doing here this morning, what you've done and what you are doing is precious. Malachi 3.16, study it. Anytime you talk about the Lord, God's writing it down. Malachi 3.16. And when you get to heaven, that book of remembrance is going to be laid out for you and me. This is precious time, guys. It's precious. You see, one family, three individuals, and on this particular occasion... Martha served faithfully. Lazarus sat faithfully. And Mary worshipped faithfully. We see all those three things in this one dinner scene. And we can see this on this campus at various times throughout the week. You can see this in your home life. It's not just delegated or relegated to here. This can be in your work life. I work with a bunch of pagans. So, are you worshiping the boss or are you worshiping Jesus? And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it as unto the Lord. You're serving the Lord. They get the benefits. You've got to keep that in mind. I'm serving Jesus. You get the benefit, whatever name is on the building. But you're serving Jesus first and foremost. And if you've got a bad attitude about that, Repent. God's providing for you through that company. Just repent and start serving Jesus. Because that's what it's all about. For the believer today, we read about this attribute as one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Again, especially for you younger saints who might not be too familiar with the Bible yet, as you continue to read, you're going to become very familiar from Genesis to Revelation. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not self-generated. You have to rely upon the Holy Spirit to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to fill, to exhibit these attributes. You see, as we press on in these evil days, I think most of us desire to remain faithful. If I ask for a show of hands, I have no doubt all the hands would go up. Faithful in serving one another as well as our community. Galatians 6.10 says this. Therefore, as we have opportunity. Notice this. Therefore, as we have opportunity. Let us do good to all. That all is all. Especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, the second part of that verse tells us the all is everybody. Coworkers, supervisors. If you're the supervisor, employees. Whatever it is. We're to be good. We're to be that example of loving others. For the Bible-believing Christian, faithful to the truths found in God's word, no matter what our culture might otherwise be trying to tell us, I'll address this more next week. I didn't want to ruin today with what I was going to share. Faithful in presenting our whole lives to God is an active form of worship. We'll wrap it up with this. Romans 12. You guys, most of you are familiar with this, but for the young ones, young believers, this is our calling card. 
or should be our calling card to God. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. And so, dear brothers and sisters, Paul writes, via the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. That means your whole body, literally, your body. Give it to God for God's service, for God's work. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So it's not just songs. Please get that out of your head. I've said it so many times over the decades, but maybe you've got to debug the program again this morning. Worship is not just music. It's a minor aspect of worship. Your worship can be 24-7. Not musically, your life. How are you living for Christ? You're showing worship to the Father. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You know, Claudia is not here. Otherwise, I was going to ask you to come up. I'll ask you to come up at the second service. But my wife, Claudia, uh, in May will be celebrating 42 years. And she has been tremendously faithful to this flock and to our family. Tremendously faithful. And I tell her on a regular basis, and I've mentioned it to you many times, without her, this church would not be what it is today. That's just a fact. That's just a fact. She is a faithful, faithful wife, woman, friend, mother, So on behalf of Claudia, we want to thank you for all your support over these last two decades. I'm definitely looking forward to what the Lord has in store for us. I don't believe it's going to be 20 or 30 years. We see the agenda. We see the conditioning. We see what's going on. It's getting to wrap up. So if you haven't been faithful, or if you're wondering how you could become more faithful, ask for more of the Holy Spirit. And ask the Holy Spirit, what would you have me to do in my workplace, in my home life? Maybe you're single. This applies to you. Maybe you're young. This applies to you. Maybe you're retired. Oh, it doesn't apply to you. Hello. It applies to you. There's no such thing as spiritual retirement. When you take your last breath, then you can retire. I'm looking forward to that. I'm finally going to get some rest. Praise God. But I know this for sure, that he will continue to be faithful. May we continue to seek, as the music team comes up, may we continue to seek after more of the Holy Spirit so that we might grow even more in our faithfulness. Again, not religion. Holy Spirit will inspire you, will fill you, will strengthen you, And at the end of the day, this is just mind-boggling. At the end of the day, Jesus then looks at you and says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. What do you mean, well done? The Holy Spirit inspired me. The Holy Spirit filled me. The Holy Spirit gave me strength. The Holy Spirit guided me. And you're saying thanks? That's our God. He's awesome. Father, we thank you and praise you that you use broken vessels 
But they don't remain broken because you shape us and mold us. As again, I mentioned earlier, as we stay on the potter's wheel, so to speak, your loving hands shape us and mold us through the Word of God via the Holy Spirit, through other Bible-believing Christians, iron sharpening iron, through prayer, through counsel, through all the various men's studies, women's studies, retreats, whatever may be there. God, we thank you and praise you that you never give up on us. And Father, maybe there's someone here today that gave up on you, so to speak. Lord, I know, according to your word, you are offering them repentance right now as a believer. You're welcoming them home right now as a believer. You don't hold it against us. You desire to hold us. So, Lord, we pray for anyone who's in that situation that they would just repent this morning. Ask for a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit and just get back to their first love. Father, for those of us who have been strong, we acknowledge it's only because of your Holy Spirit that we are strong. We're not going to touch your glory. We're not going to take any credit. And Lord, we want to be filled more with your Holy Spirit that we would continue to be faithful. And that as we continue in the ministry that we'll listen attentively, that we'll continue to trust, that we'll step out in faith, that we'll be wise and back away where we need to back away. Lord, we know, we trust. You're faithful, so you're going to continue to guide. And so we even thank you ahead of time of what you have in store for Calvary Queen Creek. We thank you ahead of time. Father, we thank you and praise you for this time. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.